The Needle and the Mouse, episode 22. It is Sunday morning, almost Sunday afternoon, May 18th, 2014. Uh, you're listening to The Needle and the Mouse, the technology of fashion and the fashion of technology. I'm Dan Fromer, and I'm joined by... Lauren Sherman. And today we have a special guest in the studio. Who are you? Hi, I'm Britt Abutalib. Britt is a long fr- old friend of ours. She's not old, but she's been a friend of ours <laughs> yeah. for a long, long time. Term. Yes. And um, is currently the... Uh, multimedia director at Allure magazine. But, uh, you, but you and Lauren used to work together at Fashionista, and since then you have been working for a few places on both coasts, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but first, Lauren is going to handle the news. <laughs> So the one thing, the, the reason we really wanted to have Britt on is that we wanted to talk about this Charles James Harvey Weinstein thing. So um, Dan and I went to the Charles James exhibit at the Met yesterday. What did you think about it? Because you've been to a couple of the Met, the Costume Institute. Yeah. So this was my second fashion-related uh, museum visit in my life, maybe. I don't know. Um the last time we went was Alexander McQueen, yeah. whose outfits are insane and very like visually impressive. Um, this was probably historically significant, but the clothes themselves were less dramatic, although there were a few pieces that were crazy, like a 1930s-era uh, Patagonia jacket for a woman. Which was awesome. The it original was, down coat. Yeah, yeah it was pretty it was crazy. Amazing. But like the dresses themselves, and there were a lot of coats, and that was like kind of the one of the messages there. That was like he, maybe even a quote from him. It was like my best work are are often these jackets, which never get put put in magazines because no one's wearing a coat in a magazine. So um, that's interesting. And there were actually some cool features to the exhibit. Like they showed you how the different dresses were constructed. Like one of them. Um, was like wrapped around someone. The other one was like all these ribbons that were sewn together vertically. But that said, they were, it was, nothing was like very, uh, especially I think maybe because I was so spoiled by the Alexander McQueen, which is truly crazy shit. This was more (laughs) subdued and also not, there weren't that many pieces on display. It was kind of small. I just don't think there are that many. So yeah, it was weird. It was all right. It was fine. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. The, it, they showed they had. Have you gone to? I it haven't yet? been yet. No. So there are these. You'll like this part of it, like because he was the original rap dress. Forget about DVF. He yeah. did that first, and he wrapped so much. And and they had digital. That was, that was one of the ones that were. Oh yeah. They had digital kind of. I don't know what they're called, like animations. Of, yeah, they had like an animation on how the wrap dress is constructed and like. Cool. All the different and pieces come together to become a dress. So that part I really liked. I thought the thing that I thought about him that I would like to know, I would like to see more and read more about him was that, you know, the thing about modern clothes is when a designer can make something feel really light. Even if it's complicated, it feels like not a part of the body, but just... It's supposed um, to be comfortable. Comfortable. And this stuff looked so heavy and uncomfortable. And and all of it did, from the dresses to the coats to the... It looked like just nothing was effortless in any way, even if it was, you know, the when something's super constructed, but in this weird way it looks like 
it would take very little effort to wear that's when I get excited and this felt everything felt really burnt you know? it was because I mean, one of the quotes was about how he would spend like he he could spend like the whole day on one seam and be, and no seam was placed accidentally like every seam in every outfit was designed to fit the woman's body perfectly but they still looked like they were awfully uncomfortable well, yeah, to wear yeah they were upwards and... of 20 pounds weren't they yeah yeah, yeah. it's crazy and he stuff. said there, i think i read something that he said about how he wasn't really designed he wouldn't didn't care if it was comfortable that wasn't yeah. the point yeah. and he was just doing his art yeah so that was interesting but the thing i wanted to talk to you about Brit, because we've discussed this a lot on Gchat. Um, so Harvey Weinstein. We're not Brit talking like all day. N- no, no, we're not. No, we're not. No, I'm we d- so we're hard. doing a lot of work oh. in between. No, work I don't mean like we're talking, talking about all day, work. but like you're in touch all the time. We, oh, we're yeah. in touch, yeah. yeah. And one of the things that happened the night of the Met Ball or the day after the Met Ball was yeah. that Harvey Weinstein decided to buy. The license for Charles James, or how, or the company, or the LLC. I don't, I don't know what he bought the name, right? And he's done this in the past. He did this five or six years ago with Halston, um, but the difference this time is his wife Georgina Chapman designs this brand called Marquesa, and she is a ball gown designer. So now she's going to design the Charles James clothes. Whereas with Halston, she was not really involved in that, um, but. It's it's similar in that when he bought Halston, he said they were going to do a Halston movie. They were going to do all this stuff and kind of create this brand that was not just a fashion brand, but an entertainment brand. And it didn't really work out like that. He ended up having to back out of it. It sold his... I don't. I mean, I think in reality, he had actually not put a lot of his own money into it. Um, but Halston is owned by someone else now, and, and it's a... It's a shit show. Yeah. Like... Let it go. So what do you think about him buying Charles James? I think it's so stupid. Um, I think, well, I think that Marquette, you know, if you were to, you know, find a historical partner for each brand that exists today, Marquesas would be Charles James. And it's so clear that that is, I mean, they only really make ball gowns and that's their, their market. And how many brands do you need that really just make ball gowns? So, and there aren't a lot of them because they aren't, it's not necessary. Not enough women wear them. Um, and, you know, the such a huge part of Marquez's success has been because of Harvey and because of the relationships he has in Hollywood and the women that he can put in his wife's dresses. And so then to now, I mean, it's almost cannibalizing that because if you're doing that on the, with another brand, then you have two brands competing for the same audience. Yeah, how do you differentiate those two? Well, I just don't think I don't think you can. One is for weekday balls, and the other (laughs) weekend only. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's just aren't enough occasions to warrant both, and also. When do people wear a ball gown? To a charity gala, and you know what? They're not buying it; they're borrowing it. There's such a select group of women who are purchasing a dress, and they basically all live in Dallas (laughs) or Dubai. The Louis C.K. charity event that he yeah the charity event. That Louis in the Hamptons on did you watch Louis C.K. last week? Mm-mm. There was a charity event that he played in the Hamptons, and yeah, there would people be people there who bought dresses. Yeah, but it's such a small group, and also Charles James is it's so it's such a weird thing. It's not like bringing back Scaparelli or even that is a challenge. And I you know I don't really know where you begin there because it, it's so it, it's so in that era, and that's how Charles James is. And I don't think I mean. 
even I think a lot and you know look no further than the dresses at the Met Ball like the designers who you know tried to create things in the spirit of Charles James and they looked silly I mean I think it was I kind of I was oh sorry no it's fine I just think that like it looks like a costume and Marquesa is already bordering on that because it's so over the top that to then funnel all this money into another line that is going to be another collection of costumes I think is a waste I I was like kind of zoning out while I was looking at the um, gowns and stuff and trying to imagine like a human wearing them because they were so different than what people wear now. Yeah. Um, and I thought of like Midnight in Paris and I could imagine like that kind of people wearing this stuff but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, there was the one era in Midnight in Paris. Yeah, the 20s or whatever. Well, the one when they go back to the... And they hang out with... Uh, what's his name? Ernest Hemingway. That's it, yep. Um, Played yeah. by uh, the same guy from Game of Cards, House no. of Cards, House Game of, of Cards. Cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was that House yeah. of Cards guy. It's so weird. Yeah. Anyway, I I agree. I mean, I think the thing that's frustrating to me is that you're. I mean, everything you said, and that there is no brand affinity for Charles James. Right. Nothing. <laughs> no one. It wasn't it, for Shinola either. But yeah, Shinola is a new brand. But you it's know, not and a it new has brand. a purpose. Oh yeah, you're right. It's not. But there was. It, but it it has a new purpose. Yeah. It's Shinola was in the 20s and 30s. They made shoe shine, um, stuff. Oh, maybe these guys will so, take. Was it Charles James? I just think it's it, so fascinating it because no one says no to Harvey. Yeah. And like yeah. that. And and despite his lack of success within the fashion industry, he still has the power. I mean, sounds like, like nobody along the way shoes. was like, maybe this is a bad. It. Yeah. It, no, they, that's and maybe they'll make those coats. Yeah, maybe they will. But oh, they like won't. the Patagonia for ladies. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it just Marmot seems like I, I think Shinola is a different. I know, situation. I know. I'm just and also sure. Shinola has problems too. Like yeah. it's not a. It doesn't feel authentic in the way that it should. Like I appreciate a lot of what they've done, but I also see a lot of. Phoniness. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of phoniness. So, and they will struggle. They may do be doing really well right now, but they will. Are they? they will, I think they're Good doing question. okay right yeah. now. But we find I, out. I think at some point they will have. They will come across that. It's just not. It made sense in the 70s and 80s to revive these houses because they had only been dead for a couple, like for 20 years or whatever, even in the 90s. But at this point. It just it doesn't make sense. The fashion business has changed so much that why keep mining? Why not try to build a new brand? And, yeah, exactly. and you're basically with something like Charles James starting from the bottom. It's not like you have the whole Balenciaga archives to mine, or you know, I well, mean, like you said, the at the museum, like it's such a small selection, and you know yeah. that like if anyone can get the biggest selection together it's the Met yeah so that just goes to show how little is left and and it's also it's just like you said people won't say no to Harvey it's it's just amazing to think about why why is he doing it just think about how it's he like just, Kanye yeah and it's it, like you're so good at one thing like so, you know a genius bother? at one thing and then 
you've already it's, it already didn't work. You've already tried yeah. it, and it was a, an embarrassing disaster. I mean, it was so such a huge deal because Sarah Jessica Parker was involved, yeah, and, spe- and failed spectacularly. And so now to do it again, I mean, does Marquesa even do well? Like they can't be raking in millions because no. those women aren't buying those dresses. Well, remember they they launched that kind of diffusion line, and yeah, it was, no. Ugh. And then they did that Revlon collection. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I don't, I'm sure that people, I'm sure that they have a decent business for a gown maker, but it can't be, it's, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to say on the record what, how many millions, but I don't think it's, it's more than 20 million a year. I mean, it it might, it might be, but I don't think so. I think it's probably much much less like more around 10 million or or something um and they don't have perfume and they don't have any they do have perfume oh do they Mm -hmm. well that might be a really big yeah big they just launched it last year okay so then that may may be bringing them and i bet they do a big bridal business oh yeah that's probably what most of it is um but yeah it just seems like why bother it just it doesn't seem worthy of of anybody's time or energy because that's the other thing. Now we're going to have to think about this brand all the time. <laughs> I mean, probably not because it'll last yeah. one season if yeah. it even happens. Yeah. So speaking of the Met Ball, mm-hmm. uh, can we bring visors back? Oh, my God. My friend wore an amazing visor running the marathon yesterday. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah, what kind? It was like, I don't know. She got online. It was special. It was like twice the size of her head, and it was like SPF 75 or something. Cool. Um, I think visors are coming back. There's a really cute one at Barney's that I tried on yesterday that like was wicker and then laced up the back. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, they're so practical. We, I actually, we asked our, all of our mutual friend, I asked Haley if visors, because Haley is very cool, and she said that, yes, she believed that they are coming back. basically, Why I Why do you want a visor? Well, I mean, first of all, let's talk about uh, sun protection. No, I don't know. Uh, I want a visor because I used to be a hat person because visor is actually very useful during the summer. The actual visor, the brim of a hat, baseball cap. Uh-huh. But they make your head really hot. And maybe they like mess with your hair. Oh, yeah, they do mess with your hair. So uh, I don't mean just mess your hairstyle up, but also maybe mess up your scalp. Like I don't want them to increase my rate of baldingness. You feel like wearing a hat makes you go bald? I don't know, but it seems like it might. I think the sweatiness is enough. I don't know. Anyway, so as a joke, I was curious if we could bring visors back because I remember uh, in high school people wearing visors, mostly Asian guys, but a lot of people wearing visors. (laughs) And I was hoping that maybe we could wear a visor. Um, I think it'd be funny to have like a vice visor or something like that. Why don't you ask that guy Shane Smith the next time you see him out? Okay. Like, hey man, I really think in your product offerings, because I'm, I'm sure, sure there's a vice visor. I don't think I look. I kind of look, but I don't oh. know if I looked well enough. <laughs> um, but I think all that stuff. I mean, anything from when we were in high school is a thing now. The problem with visors, yeah. Back, yeah, jelly sandals. Yep, there was a girl wearing them in the office on Friday. See all this '90s stuff. Uh, yeah, visor. The other problem with visors is that they look kind of stupid. Except, well, well, Daft Punk dudes wear weird visors. Yeah. Who's that visor brand that's like big time? I don't I, know. I don't the ones that go over me. your face. 
think there it's, is one. Oh, the one that um, Viv's, Viviana. Yeah. It's her last name isn't Sterling, but Donald Sterling's mistress uh, was is wearing that big visor. <laughs> see, they're having a moment. Marcy, but I don't want just like a shitty Nike visor because that seems stupid to me. But. Mm-hmm. But um, making out with his dog. Well, know? I just stuck my face in his in his teeth. That's that's how you make um, out. We're just trying to get him not to bark. Yeah, he normally barks during the show. Uh, anyway, so maybe not for visors. I don't know. Yeah, we Would just you wear ha- we a visor. Just, yeah, I just said. I want. Yeah, I want. Just said she tried one on at Barney's. Oh, I kind of want like a neon visor because neon is '90s stuff too, and that's yeah, it's very true. There was a lot of neon at the Brooklyn Half Marathon yesterday. Oh, nice. I, I think you need to figure out how you would wear the visor. Like, and with Upside what down outfits, and backwards. But with what yeah. outfits? You know, yeah. that's the kind of Short thing. Short shorts and... Knee socks? Ringer I tea. do think shorter shorts... There was actually an article about this in the journal a couple of weeks ago. The Men's shorter shorts. shorts are coming back for guys. But I think you could totally get away with shorter shorts. Our friend had a yeah. pair of short seersucker shorts on last night, and it looked normal. He didn't look that weird. I yeah. think you could wear shorter By the way, how about this awesome CK1 postcard? Yeah, but Speaking of 90s. can't see that. Yeah. I know. Well, we could post a photo of it now yes, that it has a dog, dog bite mark on it. Yeah. But Lauren found uh, an original 90s CK1. I actually have two of them. Postcard. And the CK1 was revolutionary, not only because it was a fragrance for a man or a woman, but it was the first, <laughs> it was the first uh, mid to high end perfume cologne brand I'd ever seen advertised like on night late night TV. CK1 the only Yeah, like one. they would be on like on SNL and that yeah, kind of stuff. They were banned from the normal hours. Really? Yeah, it was like a huge thing. Oh, they were like too so sexy. sexy. Yeah, but whereas like every other Kate TV Moss commercial like- for cologne and perfume is like really tacky crap that you buy at Walgreens like Charlie Girl or I don't even that think kind of that exists anymore. I don't know. I'm talking about so the, this, in the 90s. this postcard, because I wore CK1. I'm sure I got this at, like, Kaufman's, which was the equivalent, I think, to Macy's or whatever in Pittsburgh, yeah. where I grew up. But it has Stella Tennant, Kate Moss. Oh, those are actually famous people? Some of them. Oh. Uh, Jenny Shimizu is not on this one. Do you know what this girl's name is? No. Well, CK1 was the first familiar, ever scent that I ever owned. The crazy thing is that it, all the clothes, I want to wear everything that the girls are wearing. In the Like, I have all... There's there's one girl who's wearing just a black tank with je- high-waisted jeans and sandals. Those are like the shoes that everyone wore yeah. at that Calvin Klein party in Cannes the other night. Yeah, no, it's crazy. This girl just has on... Uh, High waist, but not crazy high waist, stonewashed jeans, a black tank, and these really nice strappy black sandals. And she looks great. So it is, there's definitely, you know, and one girl looks normcore. Kate Moss has cut cut off shorts with boots and a tank. I mean, they all look great. Like, I would wear any of these outfits. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to post this, this postcard. Yeah, it's interesting. Um was cool. Thing we well, to talk about? Uh, we should talk about. We should talk to Britt for a while since yeah. she's here. Britt, everyone in, is moving to LA, but you just moved away from LA. Why? Because I missed New York. Yeah, you were in LA for how long? Um, I would have been. It would have been two years in June, so it was a little less than two. Um, I moved there to launch a website. Uh, I'd been in New York for six years since basically the day I graduated college, and um, I loved New York and never really planned on leaving. But in those six years. 
I had so many friends either leave New York or come to New York from somewhere else, and I just kind of felt like I'd been here doing a similar thing for a really long time. So I wanted to change. Um, I'm from Northern California, so Southern California is actually the last place I ever imagined yeah. going. Um, but I never think of you as a California person. Because she's from Northern California. I know. Because we're the Although I will say, I selfishly, it kind of sucked going into L.A. without you having you there. That's so nice. We, we would hang out with Britt, like, every day. Yeah. I'd drive them around. She would drive, drive. Us around. <laughs> drive us around. Um, um, but, it was, but it's also nice having friends when you're in a city. And yeah, totally. So, what, why, first of all, why do you think so many people are moving there right now? What do you think is, is changing about that scene that... You know, people are deciding to go there and not Portland or San Francisco or something. Well, I think, you know, the one of the weirdest things about moving to L.A. was how often I saw my friends from New York. Um, so whether or not you're moving there or just – I was talking to a, a friend, our friend Haley last night, who's like, you know, maybe we'll – she's about – she's getting married this summer, and she was saying that maybe they'll buy a house in L.A. and just keep their apartment in New York. And it's this idea of being – you know, being bi-coastal is so easy. A friend of mine – just took a job with a magazine that's based in New York, but she's running their LA office. And in the month she's been on the job, she's already been to New York twice. So yeah. it's this idea that they really don't like everyone, not everyone, but so many people are doing things that are happening in both cities. And so it's really the best of both worlds. I think that people, and you could fly like there's like expensive. five flights every hour yeah. between the two. And they're For usually like under 300 cheap. bucks. Yeah. And people have miles because people, you know, in our industry, a lot of people travel for work. So you, yeah. you're you going anyway. And then, I don't know. I think, I also think a lot of people who are moving to New York, I mean, to LA are a little bit older and they're mid to late thirties. And yeah. I think people do burn out. If you do want to have kids, this is not, this is a rough place to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially. And then versus San Francisco where it's even now more expensive than New York. Right. If you want to have a decent place. You can do that even much easier in L.A. than in San Francisco or New York. And also I think, you know, the culture of our industry – I know we all sort of work in different industries, but, you know, now people don't necessarily have, like, a 9-to-5 office job. So yeah. many people are working on different projects and they're consulting and they're writing and they're working on their own thing and they're – you know, they have a hand in so many different things that it gives you the flexibility to sort of be wherever you want. Totally. A lot of the people, I mean, I was friends with mostly ex-New Yorkers, spent time with mostly ex-New Yorkers in L.A., yeah. and most of them were getting married or had just gotten married and were really, like, heading toward a really serious family stage yeah. in their life. Yikes. That makes a lot of sense. Um, how is online media different in L.A. than New York, like, working in it and, and building it and that kind of stuff? Uh, well, the difference is there isn't much of it in L.A. Um, <laughs> there... I worked for a company called Click Media that owned three websites, Who, What, Where, Domain, and Birdie. Um, and during the time I was there, BuzzFeed opened their LA office. Um, and then pretty much everyone else who's there is a West Coast editor or a one-off person yeah. that's tethered to a New York-based publication. But there's like weird commerce companies out there, too, that are trying to do edit, oh, yeah. edit as well, right? Sure. I mean, every commerce company is trying to do content. Um, what about the... The companies that do the content for celebrities are there. Yeah, a, where did are those? you run into those kinds of people a lot? Yes. Or? Yeah. One of them worked at uh, ended up working at Click Media actually. Um, yeah, I mean those are they're all out there, and it's so funny because since the since you know obviously going I don't think I'm 
bursting anyone's bubble talking about how Gwyneth Paltrow isn't writing Goop. But yeah. since an LA what? editor, <laughs> since an LA editor took over the edit, the content, if you read Goop for the past few months, it's so LA focused. Yeah. Um, and so that really, when you have those sort of international publications talking about LA, it does make it feel like there's something happening there. And, yeah. And there is, some, I mean, it's, it's not a boring place to be. I liked it. Um, it's just a slower pace. You know, even if you're talking about media companies and what that's like, yeah. it's yeah, it's, I could tell. And in fact, we just spent 10 days out there. Um, Lauren actually got quite a bit of work done, well, but I, I did didn't not. get as much as I should have. And yeah. that's one of the things, I mean, I think also we've gone out there on and off to visit Brit to visit, um, Dan's parents were out there for a while and so we we went I went for ten days three times in the last year and a half. So I've been there for thirty days out of the last five hundred or whatever, which is a lot. Yeah, it's more than anywhere else I've been. So it, the thing that I've found difficult is I think when we're staying in a hotel, it's oh I can get the work done because I've I've done work from a hotel. But when we stay with your parents and like the nice neighborhood and they're just chilled out and relaxed. It's really hard. It's harder to work, to get work done there. And also because we don't drive. I mean, that was, you know, people just yeah, like in New York, people around. flake. And then I would like go to a meeting and they would be like, Oh, we're not, I can't meet you for another hour and a half. And I'd kind of just be stuck. So, but, um, next time I'm going there, I'm not planning on doing any work at all. Yeah. But that's the thing I think that, um, well, no one there, and I hate yeah. to sort of stereotype, but no one is really working very hard. So no, it you doesn't don't... <laughs> feel like it. I mean, they can meet at two on or five yeah. for a drink or whatever. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, what do you, you do all day? But I guess a lot of that culture is just going to meetings and schmoozing. And networking and is a work. huge... I mean, yeah, so if you put it that way, they are working really hard. Um, but, but yeah, I, I love it. I love the weather, and it's so appealing, but I totally get why you moved back to New York. It's just a different... You know, it's a, and even when I was trying to, you know, staff up or, like, find writers and, and, and doing all that in L.A., like, it's... It's really a different kind of person who moves to New York than moves to yeah. LA, and they're and they're both great people. But it's like, do you, you know, where is your career on your list of priorities, and you know, what do you want out of life? Do you want to, you know, have a lot of space at home so you can spend the day there and relax, or do you are you the type of person who doesn't really care because you're going to be out and about doing twenty things in a day? Yeah. Um. So it's just it's just different, and they're both great. And I moving to LA, I think, gave me some really important perspective. But it's nice to be back. I love New York. Yeah, it's great. Um, how has the so you you started? You were one of the first editors at Fashionista dot com, where we worked together. And Fashionista started in '06. Yeah. Is that right? So it's eight going to be eight years. It is eight years old. Yep. It's, it's that's so crazy. It's all, ten year anniversary is going to be really insane. Um, but how has like online beauty media because we talk about media a lot but fashion and beauty is such is so different from the news business and it's approached so differently online and you have worked at a traditional magazine online you've worked at a blog that has become a website and you also launched a full-fledged website from scratch so you've kind of done it all what what's like the biggest shift that you've seen in the last eight years or whatever. Well, I mean, in fashion, when we were 
when I was started at Fashionista, the cut didn't even exist. Yeah. Um, it was really just us and Refinery29. And yeah. between the two of us, we were covering really different things. Yeah. And so it was, and we were breaking news. You know, you could break news. You could get exclusives. You could, I was also really naive. So, like, you know, if someone sent me something, you know, if it was the Zach Posen for Target Lookbook, like, I would just post it because yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, now there's just, it's there's so much going on. And so it's, and everyone is really covering the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I remember maybe a year into Fashionista when the cut had launched and refinery and racked and there were sort of these, uh, and webs and magazines were sort of trying to get into the game. And that's when voice, I was like, voice is really the most important thing because if we're an angle, because if we're all going to write about the same thing, like how are we going to be different? Yeah. But now it's really just a, a um, quantity game. Yeah. And it's how much can we produce and how often um, and I think it's harder to sort of differentiate yourself because everyone is covering the same yeah. thing and those there, you can't really break news anymore and you don't, and everything is so well handled because they have to be in, you know, PRs are so in front of everything. Yeah. Dan, do you feel like, um, in tech and business journalism, do you think I, I've always felt like, because I've been, I've worked at business companies I've also worked at fashion companies I've always felt like business and tech journalism was like a little bit more ahead in terms of how they approach that stuff because they started in 95 96 97 and whereas fashion didn't really start doing online stuff till 2002 2003 and really not till 2005 or 6 so do you feel like how, where do you feel like in terms of have doing tons of producing tons of content and that stuff, do you think that that's still the game that people are playing or do you think that there's a more focus on doing better content and, and leading the conversation? Well, that really depends on the place. I think there's probably more at stake in business and tech writing than, than in beauty and fashion, like just in terms of business um, – repercussions and that yeah. kind of stuff. But I think what's really interesting about the beauty stuff and even some of the normal fashion stuff you're doing is that there's so much of an opportunity to make something that's not just a an article but like almost a shopping cart, mm-hmm. um, which when you think of the business model of online news, it's awful. Like online advertising is almost always a horrible business model, whereas if you can – design a business where people and beauty like you know so much of that is how to get this look right like you know here are these beautiful people and you can look like this yourself maybe and here's how where to buy all this stuff so that's kind of interesting and in gadgets that's maybe a thing too um but most news that doesn't work so i don't know i think it's interesting the hard part about that is that people aren't buying on the on the website on the content website do you know that the average woman searches re- researches a product she looks at seven different sources online before what kind of product like a beauty product so mm-hmm. when i when you asked me earlier i just answered purely about fashion i think beauty is actually an entirely different ball game mm-hmm. and it's so different which i just said but um but with beauty they research seven so they go to seven different sources to, on average for each product for each product wow. to wow. research a product and then they go in store and buy it yeah 
So they're not buying it online mm-hmm. still? Why? Because they want it right away? Well, there's not many places because, online you can buy beauty products. Well, either. it's because, and also you can't try it. Yeah. You know, oh, you can okay. go into a Sephora and try, you can, you know, spend a week researching all the products you want to buy, make a list and go into Sephora and actually try it on your skin and see it, you know, in person and what, what does it feel like. Um, so they need that online order online pick up in the store feature that uh, Best Buy has. A lot, I mean, a lot of fashion companies are trying that now. Actually, yeah. but you know, it's very complicated. And beauty is weird because it's so personal, and that's right. why I think beauty bloggers have really reigned. Up and until also, now. good luck matching the same color that you see on your computer screen with how it looks on your actual face. Well, what about that? Well, true. Did you guys read about the three D printer that is a woman? Um, I read a great actually Business Insider article on it. This um, Harvard student, I think she's still in school, but she developed this new three D printer that will print makeup and huh. it'll actually because it's like the makeup colors are the exact same colors as the printer ink colors oh, oh weird yeah it's fascinating Ooh, that's huh. so interesting well is it permanent does it like soak into your skin like, no no you <laughs> print like and it'll make the eyeshadow it'll, oh that's yeah, cool yeah that's really Neat. cool um should we do the one more top the one top oh yeah what were we gonna men's talk about? grooming stuff oh, yeah. so yeah, we have a beauty expert here, yeah. and we have a guy. So you've been covering – so I want to hear from both of you because – so I, I have been trying to get Dan to use grooming products for the – how long have we been dating? For seven, seven years Seven years. I think it's going to be eight. No. Okay, whatever. But it's a long seven. time. <laughs> um, it's going to be – it's a long time. But – only in the last year or two have you started to use like a cream for your face. Use um, I don't pomade, use my but face. you have one. <laughs> I have many, and you use like you use a nicer face wash. You got a fancy face wash. You got really into yuppie soaps, like ten dollars soaps. You used to buy like a a yeah. ba- bar of Dial Basically, soap, and now you thi- buy. One of, the, one of the changes in my life is that our current neighborhood does not have like a CVS or something like that. So that has helped shift my product purchasing away from like mainstream P and G brands, which actually are pretty awful anyway. Like whatever, like zest soap or something like that or irish spring is stuff i used to buy in like a multi-pack at cvs and now we go to whatever west elm market or i go to a store like um that surf store in williamsburg and i'll buy like a 20 dollar bar of juniper ridge soap yeah and you actually bought cologne for the you never wear wow. it oh my god that cologne. was that was like a that was horrible. What? That was like I, that was one of the few purchases I've made in the last few years where I actually feel ripped off. It was like I didn't realize how much of money it would be, and it turned out to be a hundred dollars. Yeah, and you've never worn it, but it does. I, smell I good. did wear. It. I've worn it three times. Um, the so Brit, on my clothes. Covering the beauty industry, have you noticed getting more? Have you noticed other than the Juniper Ridge and Ursa Major and Harry's? Is there just in general a lot more of this stuff coming out? Absolutely. Um, There's so many more. I mean, even I've only worked in beauty now for two years, and there's so many more men's grooming products and things that are really targeted just toward men instead of a woman's brand making like a one off. Like, here's something that smells like wood. Um, You know, and not just shaving cream either. It's like men, it's like canned, like dude candles. 
Um, yeah. or, well, like I got, we went to that capsule show or whatever. No, it was something else. And I got a little sampler from Baxter of mm, California. Yeah. And it had like 20 different things in it. Wow. It was crazy. That's awesome. And yeah. We, yeah. Britt was, you were just saying that Baxter got sold to L'Oreal, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, and I think, and that was actually almost two years ago, I guess. And, um, L'Oreal, I was just reading about it and L'Oreal was saying that, one of the things that really appealed to them was that it was just for men. It wasn't, you know, these are formulas that are made actually for masculine skin. They're not trying to put like a, a male scent on a on a product that's made for a woman because they're so different skin wise, and you know, and what they need. Um, and I do think that the 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 rise of Harry's and the barbershop culture, which you wrote about for the Times, you know, those kind of things really have, like, you can still be really manly and use a moisturizer. Um, yeah, I even reviewed beard oil for this show a few episodes so ago. So here's my question. Why don't you use them? Like, you have dry skin. You have yeah. issues with your dry skin. Why don't you just use a moisturizer? Mm, I would say that because of time mostly. Like, I don't make... A lot of time, I don't set a lot of time aside for grooming and like bathing and preparation and all that kind of stuff <laughs> in the morning. Like it's usually like, okay, I got to get a bunch of shit done as fast as I can, which includes shaving, showering, like making breakfast, making coffee, all this stuff. So every one of those different steps adds time and complexity and I just don't really even remember to do it. Mm. I didn't use to before I worked in beauty. I had face wash and drugstore moisturizer, and that was it. Yeah. And I'd always struggle. I mean, I had struggled with my skin for a long time. And um, then I worked in beauty, and suddenly had all these different products and all these different ideas of what I could do. And now I have like a what most people would think is probably a ridiculous skincare routine. Yeah. But I actually have come to really enjoy it. It's like a peaceful way to like prepare for bed. And- yeah, I wish there was time. I wish there was a time where it could become more of a ritual and maybe it just means doing it in the evening, but is that even helpful then? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah oh, that's when right. you should it's use almost like a... better because okay. But then the evening is also a rush. It's like, okay, I gotta take on my contacts, brush my teeth, but everyone lost, has a million things pills, going like on. all this stuff before bed. And usually I'm already half asleep or have already been asleep. You can keep it on your nightstand or bedside table. Yeah. Then the dog will eat it. That's the other thing is he'll want to lick Everything off your... Is that why he's been licking me since I walked in? Possibly, yeah. Um, but you should wear sunscreen in the morning. I do wear sunscreen. I'm Every day. I'm too paranoid about sun exposure. Great. Thanks to my mom. Thanks, mom. That's anyway. interesting. I always like to ask you about this stuff because, Dan, because you, um, to me, seem like the ideal study because you're not super in you're not super into all this stuff but you also have a mild interest in it and I don't know if I've brought that out or but you you like clothes but you're never going to shop at the fanciest men's clothing store you like looking nice and going to the nice barber shop but you barely ever use your pomade so I always feel like you're a good test to see what what yeah. a normal guy who is slightly interested in these things, because I think most men are the, at this in this era that you're a good yep. you know, test yeah. the waters. I mean, uh, I guess like it'll probably go in little 
and shift. Like there was a phase where I was putting that stuff in my hair every day for like three weeks, and then I have a knot now yeah. in, in a month. But I th- it depends on like where I'm going and how much time I have. Like we got those Aesop things that we took from the hotel room, and mm-hmm. I've been using those. Yeah, you're but really into Aesop. Right now. Aesop's great. Cool. Well, All right, enough about me. Else? No, I think that was a good show. Britt, thanks for coming. Britt, thanks, thanks for having me. This is actually the second time Britt has taped an episode of this show. Yeah, but the that's first the time last episode. We never, we never published it because I was being annoying. I think we'd had a few cocktails. Yeah. Yeah, I we was not happy with myself. <laughs> and also, we f- I forgot, and then it just was too late. So... Thanks well, for coming back. Well, maybe we'll release it as a lost episode in like Someday. five years. Yeah, five years from now. Maybe I'd love next to time you come it. on, we'll listen to it together and laugh at our, <laughs> at our younger selves. That would be funny. That's cool. great. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, you can send in questions to us on Twitter at Needle and Mouse, or you can email us at hello at the needle and the mouse.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you do enjoy the show, it is always helpful if you write a little review um, because that helps us get promoted and that kind of stuff or something like that. But anyway, thanks, and we'll see you soon. Bye.